Hello again. It is so good to see you back as we continue our study on praying with passion, grounded in obedience. Last time we talked about change. When we're in our comfort zone, we don't often want to think about change or see change. We know what we know and are used to it. But if we don't change, we don't grow. Change happens when our present circumstances encounter a new idea. By that, what we think suddenly receives new information, and when that happens, we either have to consciously resist the new idea or consciously embrace that new idea. Remember that last time we talked about our heart and our mind. I think this decision on accepting change is very much a combination of both. We have to intellectually evaluate it, and then we have to emotionally evaluate it. We then accept or reject the change based on those evaluations. I've seen a lot of folks who, when confronted with new information or new ideas, will automatically say no. They don't want the facts. Consequently, they don't change, and they fall further and further behind in a lot of areas of their lives. But we aren't rooted in the past, so we often find ourselves examining our position to see if it is still the best for us. If we're so resistant to change, the scriptures will have very little effect on us because we will never be willing to see the depth of God's Word as we encounter new situations and new people. For example, when we left high school, if we quit learning, where would we be? If all we knew is what we knew when we left school, what would we know right now? That would not be so good a place to be, I suspect. So what has to be done is that we must learn to deal with the changing of ourselves and other people in order to align ourselves with the heart of God so that we can receive affirmative answers to our prayers. After all, that's one of the many goals of this study on prayer, the receiving of affirmative answers to our prayers. Otherwise, why pray at all? Last time, we also talked about praying in the will of God. I think that it's very clear that if God does not will for a thing to take place, it won't take place. The hard question is, how do we get to know God's will so that our prayers will be effective and we will receive recognizable answers? We start out by recognizing that we need help and that God is always there to provide that help. So how do we start to find the connection to God for the help that we need? Well, we start out by seeking God's wisdom. James 1, 5 through 8 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. There is no wisdom on earth that is greater than the wisdom that God can give. In order to gain that wisdom, we have to listen to God. And as we covered in the first few episodes, the primary unfailing way God speaks to us is through the Bible. We must read our Bible regularly, use devotionals to help explain and expand on what we're reading, use commentaries, use lessons like these to expand our understanding. There's a great app for your phone or tablet called YouVersion. 
Get that app and get on a daily reading plan with your Bible. Your phone will remind you when you forget. But however you do it, you must read, read, read the Bible. And write this down. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. That section ends with the statement that fools despise wisdom and instruction. And where do we get that wisdom instruction? Oh, from the Bible, of course. James 3, 17 through 18 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Are you starting to see where that's going? If we want our prayers to be affirmatively answered, we must first seek God's wisdom in a scriptural way so we can know and understand the will of God. In doing that, one of the things we must do is become peacemakers. That's peacemakers in our homes, at our work, at school, in church, and in all of our relationships. When you're at a restaurant, frankly, or in the checkout line at Walmart, we must always look for the wisdom to make peace rather than promote strife or conflict. Our prayers should reflect our efforts to make peace. Looking at that verse in James 3, we will know we've gained proper wisdom and are in the will of God when our prayers are peace-loving, considerate, submissive, and full of mercy and good fruit, and they focus on the benefit to others. Our prayers must not be selfish. They can be for our blessings, but they can't be selfish, and they must be sincere. We have to mean them. That is part of the heart of prayer. That is one of the golden nuggets that we're looking for in this study on prayer. Our prayers can certainly be for our personal benefit, so long as that benefit is aligned with the heart of God. If what we're seeking does not fall within that category, then we may well be told no or to wait by God as He works on us, and that work takes patience and preparation. Preparation takes time that we often tend to leave out. In prayer, you will find that preparation of your heart and aligning it with God's heart are basic ingredients to obtaining affirmative answers to prayers. Fashioning our prayer life to reflect God's will is the ultimate self-improvement project because in our time of preparation in prayer, we end up with ourselves being changed rather than the things we pray about being changed. We literally have to transform ourselves. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good pleasing, and perfect will. What we see through this process is that we are transformed in our thinking. We are changed. What we're asking for in our prayers changes as well. It matures, if you will, by reflecting the will of God rather than our own will. Remember in the model prayer, Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In prayer, Jesus was saying clearly that the will of God the Father was to be done. Jesus, Son of God, in His human state, had human desires, yet He recognized that He should submit to the will of God the Father, even if that will was different from the human desire Jesus had. What about seeking God's will on something that is already covered in the Bible? How we handle relationships, for example, how we handle difficult people, how we handle our intimate life, how we handle decisions, how we handle our finances. 
Almost all of the questions we can come up with have answers in the Bible. So either through reading the Bible, through the works of the Holy Spirit, or through prayer, God will begin a work in our lives to answer our questions. And that work will take time, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, or years. Our task is to fervently pray that God's will shall be done. We have a tendency to want God to act quickly so we can move on to the next item on our agenda. We want results and become impatient, but God does not measure time the way we do. Second Peter 3, 8 through 9 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And patience is one thing that so many of us simply do not have enough of. Remember this, praying with passion is not only raw emotion that comes with emotional tears or an adrenaline rush. Praying with passion may mean quite perseverance over a long period of time. There are great mysteries of God to be solved by us in seeking God's will. We know what we want, but aligning our will with God's will takes work. The application of that process of finding God's will in our prayer life provides the difficulty and the work. God certainly loves you and wants to provide for you, to prosper you. He does not do things for you that he does not approve of as being for his glory. Biblical instructions embodies God's intentional will of what he wants. Our response to God's intentional will embodies God's permissing will. I'll say that again. Biblical instructions embody God's intentional will of what he wants. Our response embodies God's permissive will. With prayer, study, and an understanding of Scripture, there are times when we believe we do know God's will. We think we do. So then why don't we get answers? There are no simple answers to that question. In part, I'll fall back briefly on what we learned earlier about attitudes. Our mind and our heart may be in conflict with one another, thus causing our personal desires to overwhelm our ability to see God's will clearly. We're literally fighting within ourselves for what we want versus what we know we need from God. James 4, 1 through 3 says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That verse goes to the very heart of our spiritual attitude, not only toward God, but toward our fellow Christians as well. This is about knowing in our heads what God's law says, but missing the application of that law by what we believe in our hearts. If our hearts do not cause our lives to reflect the fruits of the Spirit, and if our Christian service is done out of a sense of obligation, being the law, rather than in humble service because of the love we have for God and for our fellow believers, we see those fights and quarrels among us. 
our hearts battle in such a way that we make unkind remarks about other Christians. We take self-centered actions that cut off discussions and opinions among other believers. We harshly criticize those in leadership positions in our churches and our communities while not contributing anything to the kingdom of God ourselves. We kill and covet, not necessarily in the physical sense, but we destroy reputations and hurt the feelings of others by saying unkind things and gossiping behind the backs of other believers. We quarrel and we fight with one another when the real enemy is Satan. Our hearts have betrayed us in those situations, regardless of how many chapters of the Bible we've memorized or how many books on prayer we've read or how many podcasts we've heard. When we do those things that I talked about just now, the truth of God is not in us. Where is our heart in all of this? Is it aligned with the heart of God, or is it selfishly aligned because of our own desires that battle within us against God? Regardless of what physical attitude on the ground we take, regardless of what we say in our minds, and regardless of our position within our work, school, or the church body, God knows our hearts. When our heart is not right with God, I say with a great deal of confidence that we are not within the will of God and we will not receive affirmative answers to our prayers no matter how much we know about God, know about prayer, and know about Scripture. Knowledge of the Bible on ice will not be sufficient without our hearts being passionately on fire for God. That means our mind must be coupled with our heart to have both knowledge and passion. Think about that. We will not be inside God's will for ourselves or for His church until we know, understand, and follow the greatest commandment from Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That love is the summation of the two commands we saw in the short verse at the beginning of this session on the heart of prayer. To believe in the name of Jesus Christ and to love one another. We must find the heart of God in order to know how to do what God wants us to do. It is then up to us to pray about those things so that they will be accomplished in God's will. For example, pray for others not out of what they can do for you, but out of what they can do for God. Pray for a change in circumstances at work or in your home, not so it will make you happy, but so it will glorify God. Pray for better financial freedom, not so you can buy the bigger house, but so you can benefit others in a godly way. Pray for our government leaders, not so that your political party will win, but so our nation, states, and communities will have godly and just leaders. By all means, every one of those things is beneficial to us individually, but all are for the ultimate glory of God. When our focus is on those God-focused purposes, we will know we are praying in the will of God. Finally, before all things, in order to receive affirmative answers to our prayer, we must actually engage in prayer. We have to have a prayer life. John 16, 24 says, Ask that your joy may be fulfilled. What that means is that our Father God loves to bless you and do things for you, but you have to ask. First Peter 4, 7 says, The end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. I cannot 
give you a five-point checklist to use in order to guarantee you'll receive affirmative answers to prayer. What I hope to have done, though, in this section on the heart of prayer and based on the earlier studies combined with this is to give you some biblical guidelines to use in your daily prayer life so you will receive abundant affirmative answers to your prayers. As a summary, here are some of those guidelines. Develop a relationship with God so that you can be in fellowship with Him. Approach God in a scriptural way in reference, respect, and appreciation that God is holy. Get the sin out of our lives by asking God to forgive us specifically and in detail for the sins we've committed. Seek God's will through reading the Bible, through prayer, and through listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit so we will be in conformity with God's will in our request. Lay our request before God with knowledge that He will answer all our prayers that are made in faith. By that, we must believe and not doubt God. In 1 John 5:14, the Bible says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we have asked of Him. When we do those things, we will begin to see affirmative answers to our prayers. Our prayer life will then be an abundant life filled with the blessings of God. Receiving affirmative answers to our prayers will then no longer be one of the most misunderstood, misstated, hoped for, yet not found, prayed for and not heard, talked about and not truly believed subjects in the Bible and in our Christian lives. Our prayer life will then be an abundant life filled with the blessings of God. We've now laid our foundations for prayer, worked through the mechanics of prayer, and studied the heart of prayer. I'm excited to go into the next few lessons that cover the application of effective, powerful prayer in our lives. Before the next lesson, I have some homework for you. Please read chapters 5 and 6 of the book, Praying with Passion, Grounded in Obedience. I'll see you next time right here. And until then, may God bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you and give you peace.